0: should riddle me that the rest of y'all know where i'm and welcome back to another episode of ferrari nice we're in mozna we're wearing gorgeous suits we're eating plates of pasta and we are you know, just dancing with the death drive. But um, I'm Katie Walsh, as you know. My partner Blake Howard is here. Say and hello, Blake.
1: Katie, if you come home after the maid again, I'm gonna <laughs> shoot at the wall. Um, that's that's what's gonna happen here.
0: Okay. Yeah, I know. It's my last my last morning. Um, we have a, a very special guest today. His name is Max Cornillon. He is a freelance editor, a writer, used to work at the Museum of Moving Image in New York City. Great museum. Uh, But Max is a highly, highly requested uh, Mm -hmm. guest from our One Heat Minute Productions operatives because last fall, Max, you were tweeting some fun little tidbits about either Ferrari or Heat 2. And our... uh, uh, fans and friends, friends um, would be like, Who is Max? Who is Max? You guys got to get is, Max on the pod. <laughs> who is
1: this guy? How does he know these things? And it's such a, our like, our Discord crew to, like, highlight someone. And then Katie and I go, Huh, who is that guy? You know, who is he? Let's maybe, right. let's, let's, let's try and have a chat with this person. Well, How do they know be, what they know?
0: It was interesting because we would get, like, tweets of different whatever heat two casting and we'd be like that person's a joke don't believe them and then we'd get like something from max and we'd be like that actually might be legit (laughs) (laughs) so finally we have max on and also we have discovered that max worked on ferrari so that's why we're talking about ferrari please welcome max corneon say hello
2: Thank you, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, and hopefully, the the mystery, um, unpacking the mystery, is more exciting than what it actually is. But I, I'm thrilled to to be requested to be here with you guys.
0: Well, we are thrilled to have you here. Um, so we know that you worked on Ferrari uh, for a bit. So, so tell us about your role on the movie.
2: Yeah, I mean, it sort of came about unexpectedly. Um, I, I've been a, a fan of Michael's for years, and I worked at the Museum of the Moving Image for a long time, and and there's such a reverence for Michael and his films there, um, and that was extremely special, and, and just seeing kind of the audiences uh, uh, of the, the people who essentially listen to your podcast and, and kind of are out in the streets championing him, young and old, um, so it, it was cool to, for years, interface with those people and celebrate those films, and uh, Eric and Edo, the, the curators at MOMI, again, are such fans and, and take a lot of attention and love into presenting Michael's films. So that kind of was the start of my, my journey with Michael, um, being at the museum. I, I'm sure I'd seen Last of the Mohicans uh, when I was younger and in collateral and certain things, but not, maybe not putting the pieces together, but being at the museum kind of solidified that. So when I got the opportunity Uh, to join the editorial team for Ferrari
1: and and live in LA for almost a year. Let's Um, pump the brakes because I just want our listeners to hear that. The editorial team for Ferrari, Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, excellent. Yeah, so I was in
2: post-production. I was not there for any of the the filming, although we did some reshoots in LA and I was there for that. But I was, yeah, on the post-production team um, with the editorial team for Ferrari, uh, for almost a year working under the great Pietro Scalia, uh, who, who was a an legend. incredible force, uh, definitely a legend, uh, great John Valerio, who people might know from his work on white Lotus, uh, also, a, an incredible editor and just the entire editorial team, uh, for Ferrari brought their a game. And i I mean, the, the stories are all true. That's what Michael demands. And that's what he gets. And yeah, everybody yeah. showed up.
0: We've become friends with some of his former um, sound editors and the stories that we've told about, that that we've been told about the process of, of working on a man film in post is like probably way more intense than the actual shooting itself. Yeah,
1: and also yeah. the idea of teams because that's um, Michael's post because it all seems to happen at once. He'll have round the clock, team so huge editors you know i think i think my favorite one is heat which has four i was lucky enough to speak to the great late great pasquale buba but it was like him tom rolfe like you look at the editors there's like four of like the best editors ever who were on a team because one of them was working from like eight to five and then the next one's working from five to eight and then someone takes over in the next shift and it's like they just work around the clock for six months to get the movie to get out it's it's insane so, Max, tell us about your experience. This is one of, obviously, your... Um, we've had a recent guest of ours. Again, one of those sound editors, Joseph Tsai, talk about Michael Mann University was his phrase that he used. So, can you tell us about your time at MMU? Yeah,
2: I mean, it, it was it definitely was intense. This was sort of a different situation because we weren't working with a studio initially mm. um, and didn't have distribution while we were uh there was some international distribution set up but domestically we were uh kind of working under the radar um working again like michael had funded a large part of this film and so we were a smaller crew so it didn't lend itself luckily again this was my first experience coming from kind of a a curatorial side critical side to working uh directly hands-on with the film uh, it luckily wasn't a 24-hour uh, production, even though we did have long days and nights. We were kind of a skeleton crew, um, it's sort of a mix of man veterans who had worked on, on projects like Miami Vice or, or uh, Tokyo Vice or even uh, Black Hat, kind of a, a smattering of different experiences with Michael. Um, so everybody was pretty tight-knit, and there were a number of fresh faces as well. Um, where this was their their first experience like mine. But it, it definitely was an intense experience, but very rewarding, very gratifying. And what I appreciated about it being kind of the smaller affair was that there was kind of a, a horizontal nature to it. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to be brought into, again, having very little experience working post, being brought into kind of every facet of the film and and then working spending weekends with Michael just the two of us and then those kind of things start to to blend it no longer becomes a Ferrari experience it becomes that Michael Mann University where you're kind of driving through LA getting tidbits like he's pointing out landmarks and I'm just kind of soaking in the the LA history or we were working on uh, at the Fox lot um, for a little bit and just kind of like pointing out places like, oh, here's where I, I first read the, the initial script for the Miami Vice TV show before it was called Miami Vice. And I came up with the name. And So it was <laughs> it was kind of like an insane experience to be go from like sitting in a theater in New York being like, oh, I love Michael Mann to like, oh, I'm spending my Saturdays and Sundays with Michael just doing whatever like some of it is ferrari related others it's heat too or even just looking at his archive and seeing like wait michael is extremely versed on science fiction like nobody ever talks about this or there's some like westerns in here that michael has been wanting to make for decades like i don't know it sort of exploded my yeah perception
1: of this him is the this is the quietest. Katie and I sorry, are sorry. I'm just rambling, out. but no, it no, is talking. But uh, yeah. I just want our listeners to know that we didn't leave. We're just gobsmacked. <laughs>
0: well, I'm literally. I was about to say, like, I'm speechless. Like,
1: I can't I talk can't. about
0: MMU. I feel like people, like, you got paid to do this. I feel like people would pay for the experience would pay. that you. I I'm coming. Oh,
1: totally. I'm yeah. coming, Max. I'll be your assistant. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing here?
2: But yeah, um, it, it just kind of exploded my my notion of of him um, as a filmmaker, as an artist.
0: It's just such a unique experience, like for you to say, like you're sitting, sort of at the end of the process in the theater, in the curatorial thing, the retrospective screenings, and then suddenly you are in the car with him. You are yeah. in the Ferrari with him. Yeah, <laughs> um, quite
2: literally, in some cases. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh my god. What's the car collection like?
2: <laughs> the car collection is quite nice. Um quite yeah. nice
1: is the nicest possible way to say I am trying to be modest because it's awesome.
2: <laughs> Michael I just want to is...
1: translate for you to the listeners cuz yes, that's what my, my heart, that's what my heart just said. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. quite nice no, means that... so
2: good." There there's quite the collection. Again, Michael Likes his privacy, likes his yeah. Sort of, um, so I'm not trying to kind of dig too deep. No, y- we yeah. we this it, is
1: and we know enough about we know enough, him. Yeah. We, we know we know enough about him and uh, and fans of him. That's why I think so. Some of you know the crew that we've established, our little community that we've built, are so fascinated and intrigued by him because on one hand, he's he's a filmmaker that comes with it casts an immense shadow, and that's a shadow a creative shadow of all these people that work with him, and some people you know the intensity of like you know previous eras of filmmaking sometimes it's too hard you know they they don't like the intensity don't like the 24 round the clock it, largely driven by studio films this film having a little bit more time to breathe creatively having a lot more time to gestate 20 years you know having new and old faces mixed in people who are looking forward to working with michael in the cinematic space again Sounds like it was an optimal thing. And also his family, he's quite private. He's like, he's, he's kind of, it's only, I don't know, Katie and I talk about it all the time, but it's only in the last sort of really five to 10 years that people are like, you know, we get our beautiful boys like Michael Manfax. Fax, um, bless you, um, <laughs> if you're listening and fans of his crazy Twitter and you know, you get these things where people are obsessed with him, but he's still a very private dude. He's a beautiful family, man. He's got daughters. He's just that, you know, he's a, he's a great guy. So we don't want to, we don't want to come over the top and get you to share anything yeah. that you would feel uncomfortable with, but it's just those, those tidbits are enough for us to savor so yeah please don't <laughs> we, don't feel like you need to overshare or share anything that no, was in confidence right.
0: and we like uh, you know we've interviewed man blake has talked to him a couple times i did a q a with him so it's like we know him we don't want to like pry too much uh yeah. into into the secrets and obviously if there's anything you can't share but like it is just i don't know i just think your experience sounds really unique and um special and Uh, I'm also like really curious to hear about what it was like working with Pietro. And like, I think the editing of Ferrari is like so unique and beautiful and um, just like the way it deals with time and compression and expansion of time. I mean, I I would just love to hear like what some of the philosophy of the edit was while you were working with these guys, these teams.
1: Yeah. Cause particularly time, like time as a sacrament, you know, I've I've now since been lucky enough to acquire a neon the neon uh box waiting for Ferrari to come out on physical media um on a Blu-ray. And I can't tell you, I've I think maybe I've watched I haven't logged it on Letterboxd. If you could only log a scene, my letterbox would look insane. But like I've watched the time trial, Maserati time trial while everyone's oh, in the church. That scene is so insane. I've, so I've good. watched I've watched that like 15 times. Cause I just wanna I wanna I wanna look at the sack, I wanna look at the the sacrament of of movie making time. And I'm like, God, that's elegant. God, these old masters just are, like they get it some ways that and do things in just such with just such deft touch that you're like, these guys know exactly what they're doing. So please tell us if there's, you know, philosophically, if there was anything we'd love to sort of get you to share, anything that you're comfortable sharing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, editing, I think. It- gets sort of short shrift when we, we talk about film because it's kind of a, a difficult concept to to explicate and kind of uh, without material right in front of you, it, it's hard to kind of replicate that experience when talking about it. But Pietro is genuinely, I think, one of like the great masters working yeah. in cinema. I, we I mean, we highlight directors, but I really think there are a number of editors working who understand story and craft better than just about anyone. And Pietro- JFK
1: alone- jfk alone <laughs> just one <Yeah>. autumn it's <laughs> yeah. enough it's like oh you edited um, jfk okay cool you got to pass forever
2: in yeah in this and that was side by side with mmu was psu like working with him and his <laughs> yes. just history with ridley scott and and oliver stone and yeah the the, the list goes on but um seeing and Michael had been in pursuit of Pietro for, for years, uh, previous to them finally collaborating. Um, but seeing, so when they came back from Italy, kind of, and we all started proper, uh, on the post-production, Michael's kind of directive to Pietro, um, was to kind of work on these large dramatic beats, um, because for Michael, if the drama didn't work, that the film didn't work. Yes. at the end of the day it it's not a sports film it, it at the center is kind of like what Michael has talked about this this personality and this push and pull between work and home and kind of the the multiple lives that, that this character this person lived um so so Pietro it, who could do both action and drama in his sleep as we've seen Black Hawk Down like kind of all these oh. These action-oriented films, Gladiator, et cetera. It really had to be rooted in the drama. So that was kind of the the first phase or or project of coming home um from Modena and and starting on on the edit was making sure that these moments really aligned, whether it's the the ending, kind of these these head-to-head moments with Laura and Enzo. And then yeah, I mean, the the set pieces, I think the opera was a, a big sequence and the Beautiful time sequence. trial were kind of the synthesis between uh, Michael's kind of steadfastness. Like the movie didn't really change much from the as- initial assembly to the the final cut that, mm. or the theatrical cut. Who knows if it's the final cut <laughs> word with Michael? Don't you say final. Know. Don't say final. I'll, I will never say final. So, so a couple of
1: guys, a couple of guys who are really friendly with online were like, "Hey, so I just picked up the Arrow." Uh, black hat and so can i finally delete um from my dvr the original michael mann one that went on fx and i said well i would say yes but one of our crew members went and mapped the hundred slight differences that the final (laughs) director's cut has between that and the director's cut that went to fx so no don't (laughs) delete it because now there's an archival piece so now that so now there's four versions of black hat just for anyone who are listening five if you include the miami nice cut so uh (laughs) uh the hacker (laughs) cut sorry um but yeah sorry go on please
2: but yeah so just to say that michael uh, again in your in your podcast interview with him he mentioned kind of the the tight constraints of filming or 50 something days rather than kind of the typical like 70-ish days um so he came back from Modena like with a, a very specific vision of the film. And so the assembly didn't really change that. It, the edits changed, but the runtime, maybe we shaved off 10 minutes or so. Uh, this was kind of always pretty exact. So those big set pieces are kind of, uh, like I was saying, a synthesis between Michael's exacting vision and also Pietro's kind of playfulness, his his intuition dramatically and than working on the, the register of time. Um, Michael has this sort of phrase he likes to use in the edit called "craft vanity and avoiding it specifically, yes. making edits that feel too intentional, feel too cute or assembled. And I, I think that's why his films are so potent because it feels like they kind of dramatically cascade mm. through scene to scene. yes. There's not a lot of fun,
1: like Edgar Wright match cuts. The worst one, which is probably in one of the worst scenes, is when Wayne Grow goes to grab the young prostitute. And when he grabs her, the next shot is a beer cracking open its lid in a bar when he's trying to get more work. You know, that's kind Mm -hmm. of the one that I can remember so vividly of like some kind of match cut between two things. But otherwise, it's very like poetic and seamless things just fly by and obviously then the action or uh, or action-oriented editing is like so beautifully crisp and intuitive. But I like how you say that
0: they dramatically cascade I think we talk a lot about like momentum and it's Mm -hmm. the same idea but yeah I like that phrasing of it that it cascades because you sort of feel like you're falling into the story and you can't escape and and it's a, a nice feeling to have to just be swept away by the storytelling and
2: the filmmaking. Totally. And like, again, I'm just going to keep calling back to your guys interview with, with Michael, but that irresolution, like if you're putting too much of a bow on the end of a scene, it feels like the emotions or the images are resolved in a way. And the sort of entire intent behind the film. And a lot of Michael's work is to kind of leave things unresolved, leave kind of the, the the corners still rough and, and so that you think about it as it progresses it's like a accumulation rather than compartmentalization of something that can be tucked away so that that was a lot uh, of the kind of editorial impetus behind what we were doing is just kind of not making it too neat not making it too cute um, letting the drama really push things forward and and leave things bubbling under the surface so that some of the catharsis of it could come out in the racing scenes and those Mm -hmm. could be a little slicker those could be uh more visceral um but uh, again the the intention really was michael wanted to make a classical film um he wasn't trying to reinvent this kind of biopic or or this kind of period piece he wanted to make something classic that could stand up um and felt like a, a different type of film in this climate where every sort of period piece comes with some sort of gimmick or some sort of asterisk that feels like it's in on the joke as if making a period piece is a joke
1: we'll be right back after this quick break
0: I love how classical it feels like every little detail, the costumes, the design, the like colors. It just feels like an old school film in a way that I, I found really refreshing and like nutritious, almost like fulfilling. Um, uh, Blake, sorry. No, Blake. I was
1: just going to say that there's something even in just the cups that he's using while he's like prodding he's like lead engineer he's like where's your crew and he's like it's sunday michael as a michael that's probably a a good friday (laughs) slip it's sunday (laughs) and it's it's sunday and so like they're they're home with their families he's like they're lazy and it's like they've been here every day for three months oh the the
0: cups the the wine cups yeah wine cups not
1: using classical wine cups just using like an old cup to sip wine and watch it on an old TV out in sort of a garage. I just love that scene so much as well, because it's just that those two bouncing off one another. I want to know, Max, did you get a chance because Bill Gabiri talked about Michael choosing to dub the film when he showed it in Modena. Did you get a chance to cast your eyes over like the Italian dub cut of this? Cause I kind of am curious to watch it when I eventually get it on physical media to hear if there's an Italian dub version, I just want to see how it plays with subtitles because yeah, Michael was very intent of like, I don't want people to be distracted with multiple different, you know, kind of accents and stuff like locally where they're here. I just want it to be dubbed in Italian and they made the special effort to do that after Venice to, 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 to make that happen. So I was wondering if you ever saw that. I I actually didn't. Um,
2: oh. I, I wasn't really involved on that side of things or, or that kind of, came later in the stage yeah. after I had left LA. But yeah, I, I'm very curious to, to hear it. And again, a lot of attention was made in for the all the audio um, and sort of fine tuning people's accents. And I mean, Michael is meticulous. I remember one day while we were mixing the film and the, the sort of first reel, which uh, ends basically um, right before Ferrari, is going to challenge Maserati's time um my uh, we were trying to get through that that reel that day and michael's like down to the the sound of the gravel as enzo's walking through the the graveyard it was like okay we need to amplify the gravel this much and kind of like it so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me that Michael pays a lot of attention to the <laughs> audio, especially a dub, because. Yeah, that's got to be the most due.
0: perfect dub of all time. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, how many like how often was he watching it? Because we've heard that he would watch the whole movie every morning, but I don't know if he, if he's still doing that um, or if it's because this is a, a smaller team. Um, you know, how frequently he's able to, like, watch the full cut and make notes every day or at at, at certain intervals.
2: Yeah, I mean, it would not surprise me. And he probably did watch the film every morning. Um, Oh, I've truly never again. It blows my mind that he's 80 years old and we celebrated his birthday while making the film that he is as sharp as is as like intuitive and hardworking as he is. I I think he worked longer hours than literally anybody else, and then woke up and yeah would watch the film and have a fresh set of notes ready. And Michael is all about his notes. And what's insane is we'll be several months removed from from some comment he made, and he'll be like, "Well, did we ever address this? I think I wrote this down on." Whatever, November fifteenth, and then oh lo and behold, <laughs> you go back through f- four or five months of notes, and there's there's that specific comment, and you're like, yeah, I guess we uh, we didn't address this, or or, or or we need to revert back to this. Um, That's so,
0: incredible! Oh well, my god! Like,
2: yeah, he, he this is, is why we do super this. Superhuman. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, I know. That's it's it's just fascinating to hear that he is. Because we've heard, like, he's such a hard worker. He works harder than everyone else. He's working longer hours than everyone else. He's watching the movie every day. But it's like, he's got the two teams. But obviously, this was a different kind of production because it was independent until Neon acquired it. So it's like, it's not... He probably doesn't have the same amount of resources to do everything that he usually has done on other films. But the fact that he's still maintaining this really rigorous schedule and process is astonishing yeah but and I you know think what else this, are you gonna expect yeah with the okay, smaller
2: ahead. experience i think to michael's credit too he put a lot more on himself that maybe he would have had a kind of a, a longer timeline for mm. whereas he was doing this he was also kind of thinking about heat too and and then when you get announcements like there there's going to be another book in a new series and kind of other things like i just i can see michael just working for the next whatever 80 years again even though that's not humanly possible but it's like (laughs) i saw him kind of bend time and space on a normal tuesday fit everything in like why wouldn't he be able to just kind of cheat death and work for another (laughs) lifespan um yeah from your lips to god's ears Uh, yeah Yeah. Yeah. but again Um, that it also like he surrounded himself with a team that really cared and we were all very dedicated to the vision and when you see michael working as hard as he does that that kind of makes you again like not to to jump on the the freudian slip but when you have somebody charismatic leading a team you (laughs) kind of are, are willing to put life on the line to exact the vision and and to achieve something special
0: I love that. I mean, because we are always saying that like his protagonists are reflections of him and he in interviews is always like, no, 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 no. But um, we still we still think it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, because he's uh, but he, he's he likes people who are, who are um, one of the phrases that he sometimes uses is like, I like people who are living Driven. Yeah, who are driven, but also living the heightened experience of their lives. He wants to capture people in those heightened experiences of their lives. And it sounds like when Michael Mann makes a film, for all the people that are involved in it, yourself included, Max, it is a heightened experience of your life. You're like, I am more on than I've ever been because this guy who is now 80 is outpacing everyone in every department (laughs) and he's got the whole thing on his shoulders. And that sounds really inspiring and and really cool. And again, it sort of validates again, this insane pursuit that Katie and I are on together. It's like, that's why the people are obsessed with him because they're inspired by him in so many ways. And they see that filmmakers that are inspired by him and they're and his texts are inspirational themselves. So it's, it's really great.
2: Yeah. I mean, you do sort of feel like an adrenaline junkie, both watching his films and working with him. I think it captures kind of a, a, universal experience it and again just because i'm talking about michael a lot i really do think his his team in his office as well as the people working on the film were were instrumental in this i mean Mm. michael is kind of the seminal iconic artist but he does have a really good eye for people and and people do really work hard in his service not only because he's brilliant but again because the material is good and and you just believe in it
1: tell us about the michael mann archives i've heard about this thing so many times the forward pass officers have an archive um we've we've even got crew members who've catalogued fastidiously uh all the things that we at least have heard announced or heard being worked on or heard commissioned in in times past um i i know that i believe there's folders that are titled world war three in there from the heat original heat shootout because they had to map it out so crazily with architecture and all of the different um obstacles that they're going to put in the people's way so tell us about what it's like to kind of get to work there and see the whole archive and see you know imagine a a different life with 10 more michael mann movies where there are westerns and there are sci-fi movies and other action movies and and things like that yeah i mean that was that was kind of the first thing i i geeked
2: out on um being there and just getting to to walk through it i didn't even see the entire thing again it's like sort of spread across la um mm. as you would imagine with multiple fail safes with backups <laughs> of backups um so i, I did secret you know, locations. I love yeah basically center. I love it. destroy one one copy um but so yeah i saw both the, the he's the got more archive. he's got more
1: archives than neil mccauley had workplaces you know oh, work garages with sure, cars
2: yeah. I mean there are safe houses to house <laughs> <laughs> all the prints and, and whatnot. Um but yeah, I mean that was that just ignites the the imagination beyond what could be, but also what what has been done, like the seeing models um from last the Mohicans of buildings, kind of how they needed to be made and and he has a, a ton of little model work um for for set pieces. Um, laying out rooms or, or buildings so I mean Michael is fastidious when it comes to research I, I think he genuinely loves to do research and we had f- cabinets full of Yakuza tattoos and stuff from his, his work on Tokyo Vice and yeah then the stuff that ignites the imagination is the, the shelf of westerns that then have like folder names where you're like oh my gosh is, is this a thing like could he be <laughs> attempting to do this and then a shelf full of sci-fi books and Michael's a huge reader I mean there were a a number of times where he would just be like I need this book that he saw had come out just so he could read it and kind of um, see if it pertained to a a vision that he had had and yeah from Vietnam films to westerns to sci-fi films to other gangster films I mean he has a huge list of, of projects that I think wow. he's imagined over decades and, and still wants to tackle in many ways.
0: I'm imagining a, a heist film where a uh, obsessed Michael Mann fan tries to break into the archive <laughs> and he's like foiled at every turn. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the, called my
1: life. Katie, The That's Blake so Howard story.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if you, if
1: you think I'm going to fail.
0: And, and he's is, pursuing it, you, it, and he it, stops you at every
2: turn. It's, um,
1: it's, it's not. We will not fail. I'm gonna get into one of those things eventually. Um, so, I mean,
2: truly, you could whoa. fill books, and and hopefully, his daughter, who who works on a lot of the archive and preserves a lot of that material, wonderfully. Hopefully, somebody eventually will put something together. That no, I
0: mean, collect. they need to do. I mean, it
2: should be an exhibition somewhere. Yeah, I was yeah, like, like the, kind of the Kubrick
0: show yeah yeah um the traveling kubrick show like that that was such an amazing show they had at lakma and i mean they need to they need to do that somewhere in la um so what were some of the other projects i mean like while you were there like was tokyo vice coming out was heat two coming like the book coming out like i mean obviously i know that you can't share certain things but like you know they're
1: i think he's gonna know. share something katie he's gonna tell us definitively that austin butler is not in <laughs> heat two <laughs> Can we just definitively say that it's not happening to get all of these people out of our DMs? To look, to look? Excuse me. I'm the number one advocate <laughs> I, for Austin I, Butler I, I, as I know, Chris Chihurlis. I, I know like... you're the advocate, but I mean, every second day, someone's like, hey, you know, Heat 2's coming. You know, it'd be great, Austin Butler. I'm like, yeah, yeah, guys. We talked. We've, we've definitively covered that. We fantasy cast Heat 2 with an amazing crew of people who are both like who are... Huge Michael Mann fans, and some people in the industries who've got a bit more of a, a bit more um, excitement and 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 a bit more sort of wisdom about these sort of casting decisions. And it's like, if Michael Mann's making Heat Two, it's it's kind of like Quentin Tarantino saying he's making his last film. Like it's going to have some really big performers and actors that are excited to be a part of it. So yeah, can you tell us any tidbits about Heat Two that are not going to breach any kind of confidentiality that you know?
2: <laughs> um. That's a that's a great 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 question. How about this? Uh, so
1: how I, far how far into it is it? Because we get the perception from the outside. He's obviously got the book. That's a huge benefit. It's his book that he's written. He's been researching it for many years. We know that he's got all these folders and got all this archival stuff that he's prepared for every character, which is which is a great resource for him to help um he and Meg Gardner like develop the book. But can you tell us like at you know the how, how the pace is feeling, especially swelling, accelerating for you know pre-production and getting ready for this thing because I, I think so many of us are so excited that another cinematic Michael Mann is hot on the heels of Ferrari. Yeah,
2: so what I can say is that he was definitely working on the script while I was there. Um, and in terms of casting, I, I won't confirm or deny any names, but there was sort of this rotating cast uh, of people coming through the office attempting to pursue um, certain roles and like us I think everybody is anticipating this again like what I want to say like this is a send-off film but again Michael could work for another 80 years and (laughs) And like I said, it wouldn't surprise me. So who knows if this is the last film or the second to last or whatever. Um, But I I think it still holds a certain weight in general. Um, So there were a lot of people eager, both people that you expect and unexpected people um, attempting to kind of pursue those those main roles. Um, I love that. And what's funny is Michael, he he just doesn't really care. Like he cares about the film, but he's not starstruck. He's not like, he's not there to cater to people's willn- uh, wins. Mm. He He's very much, he's very personable and is, is always looking to, to speak to artists and kind of get people's perspectives. But he's not like, he doesn't want to court people. He He's there for the work and whoever's right for the work is the one who's going to win out. Um, and right. oftentimes, Michael sees something in an actor that nobody else sees, and you, you see it translated to the screen. And you're like, "Oh, that makes sense." But he—he's very instinctual. I mean, Adam—Adam—Adam Adam, Adam
1: and Enzo, right?
2: Like Adam and Enzo, yeah.
1: Which one you, of these you things is that... not? One of these things is not like the other. Just when you're looking at a headshot, but I can't imagine anyone playing Enzo other than Adam. He's yeah, amazing. Absolutely.
2: And and Michael gets that out of people, but yeah, to sort of cap the heat too. I'm very excited. Um, I was a little bit involved in in maybe some early early bit of that process, but I'm excited to see kind of where things things go, especially as a fan. And yeah, and just you think you're how, gonna? Oh, go ahead. Well, just knowing how how much. How, how big of a production that is how large of a project that is balancing timelines etc
0: I was just gonna say I hope you get the call for heat too
2: yeah man <laughs> I, I don't know if I could withstand the call for heat too <laughs> um, uh, yeah I, that would be thrilling but also it's like I, life I, I altering it's yeah you, you fully have to commit um I have to yeah move to the triple frontier and become a new person and just give myself (laughs) over to to you
0: are krisha hurless yeah Yeah,
1: basically yeah (laughs) this is the question that katie and i are having we are going to have to i i made a promise if heat if if heat 2 ever comes to be a movie for a person who's abandoned essentially going minute by minute do you think i'm going to be able to avoid that do you think i'm going to be able to (laughs) abandon the call of heat 2 no. Like
0: you can't do
1: one heat two
0: minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can, Katie. I mean, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Do you, I'm who, just... who, who am I? One <laughs> heat I think it minute needs to happen. Oh, gosh. One heat minute will come back. That's what um, will happen.
0: That's amazing. I'm I'm looking forward to that because it is becoming a movie for sure. Um, I'm just so curious, like how the timelines are going to balance. Like, I, I are they going to cast someone who can work in '87 and in 2000? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Do we do double casting or is it just mostly focused on Chris in Paraguay? Like, I'm just really, really. Trying to figure out how they're going to pull this off.
1: I'm yeah. I'm I'm very curious. I'm very excited. I I feel Katie like. I feel like we've got a huge opportunity to see different sides of things that we've seen in Heat from different angles, and have these actors do stuff from the original. I think that that's going to be exciting, like watching.
0: But I think it's going to be. I mean, obviously, we're just speculating here. Like. I think he's going to do something like he keeps doing different things every single time. Like he he broke the the aesthetic of Miami Vice, the show to make Miami Vice the movie like Black Hat, totally different. Like Ferrari, he's making a classical like 1950s melodrama. Like, I don't I don't think he's going to give us like heat. I think he's no. going to give us something totally different.
1: No, He's going to give us heat, too. Yeah. Well, I, I completely agree. Yeah. It's it's going to be different. And I feel like when you say science fiction and when you say Westerns and other gangster films, I'm like, there is, if, if there so many of those ideas and tendrils and themes are like in the novel, like you've got a great like borderlands, you know you've got a huge borderlands you know cartel section and so it's like this is going to be my one section is going to be like michael man sicario and then it's going to be like back to back to iguazu you know like back to back to the um uh ciudad oeste like from miami vice we're going to have that whole section and then you've got an opportunity to see a chicago-based heist crew it's like oh well, that feels very thief it feels like this might just be a big you know uh a tapestry of so many different styles. It's got so much opportunity to play with that. And then if there's any references to the original, it's like the quintessential, I mean, I know he defies this. He calls all of his movies human dramas, which I think fits with Max's um, uh, experience on Ferrari. But it's like, like it's, Heat is like top one of one LA movie. Like it's LA crime epic, you know, a different side that we've ever seen before. So um. Max, what we're going to do here is we're going to deny our listeners, um, any more of you for this moment, but I want to ask, can we talk to you again? We would love to, this has been so short, um, because of, uh, Katie and I have got some scheduling stuff. So I, I just want to ask, could we a talk to you again, but B I want to say thank you so much for your incredible work and contribution and, um, uh, to, to being a part of the team that made Ferrari and thank you so much for your time and your generosity and your uh your ability to dance around details which i know that you want to say but cannot in any kind of public forum um and may if we develop a friendship tell katie and i offline so we can just be (laughs) have our heads um explode but can we can we ask you to come back again and talk to us um in more detail because we'd love to sort of get out of the ferrari of it all and talk about you know other uh, other man stuff and especially you know your evolution as a man fan and where You know what you think are the best man films after working with him because i think that that would totally refract and reframe your perceptions of man films because you've gone on to work on so you know gone on to work on one so that's going to change the way that you view others so would you be able to come back and talk to us again of course
2: that feels like such a loaded question because you guys are so amazing to listen to and talk to so i i would love to um yeah that i i was a small piece of the puzzle but definitely have a lot more to talk about i mean Again, I spent so much time with Michael himself and got to hear just his opinions on uh, his own films, other films. So,
0: oh my um, a- God, <laughs> that is a wealth. That is a pot of gold.
2: And you yeah, know, what we're not saying? to be de- denied that Michael sort of sits in a tower waiting. He's very much like in the theater watching every single movie coming out and definitely that's has amazing. A lot. Yeah. So, he's he's part of the, the community we've got, for we've sure. We've got a
1: whole half an hour on. Um, you're, you're telling us what Michael thought of Avatar: The Way of Water coming up on the next. I, steps. I have those
2: thoughts. I'm <laughs> <that, for> sure. <laughs> uh, I can't I have wait. Those
1: Guys, but thank yeah, you so I would much love for to listening. Come back. Thank you. Yeah, thank we got to so,
0: have you back. You're part of the crew now, Max. You, Max whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not, Max,
1: <laughs> it's over. Um, thank you so much, um, Katie. We've got to run, Max. We've got to run, listeners. We've got to run. Um, I. I can hear the exploding brains of
0: so <laughs> many of our crew right
1: now. And I'm so happy. And so, Max, yeah, thank you for uh, sparking so much joy um, for yeah, us today. Yeah, thank you, Max. And, and, this was a
0: great conversation. Great Such, combo. So fun. Yeah.
1: We're looking forward to talking to you again.
2: Yes. See you guys soon.
0: We'll talk soon.
1: Talk soon.